All right, Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by Alcyon is the next generation backup platform for Microsoft 365 that takes on all the heavy lifting needed to secure your data. Alcyon uses an AI driven and security first approach to protect your data from malware, ransomware, accidents and outages. Start your free trial today by visiting Alcyon.ai. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Welcome to another episode of Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and we have an exciting episode lined up for you today. I have the pleasure of speaking with Stephen Roden, CEO of Storage Pipe, and he's also a leader in the backup and recovery, disaster recovery, cloud and cybersecurity industry for the mid-market. And he was also co-founder and CEO of DaVinci Technologies and uh, was also an evangelist and innovator of online customer service solutions. So really excited to have you on, Stephen. Welcome to The Gumbo. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Nice to see you again. Absolutely. Yeah, we had you on years ago, right? When we were just getting started here at Data Protection Gumbo, and I think uh, I am almost to 200 episodes later. I can't remember the number I brought you on, but... Yeah, I was one of the first, I think, or early days, and uh, exciting to see where you've taken it. Uh, really you know, impressed by what you've achieved, and and I know you've, you've moved around a little bit since then and, and had some great opportunities yourself. So uh, really excited to be back, you know, talking with you and, um, you know, and having this, uh, the chance to chat about, you know, backup recovery, disaster recovery, cybersecurity and the whole thing. Awesome. So start off by giving us an update on Storage Pipe and uh, also yourself, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, uh, so actually Storage Pipe was recently acquired uh, by Thrive Networks uh, of the United States and, uh, and we're uh, the third acquisition for uh, for global, uh, so that's very exciting for their global operations. But storage type is going to be continuing on uh, as we always have uh, around uh, focusing on cybersecurity, uh, cloud infrastructure, and in particular backup and disaster recovery solutions uh, around the mid market space, as you as you touched on. And we're but we've expanded a lot since those early days. Um, we've got operations now across North America into Asia. We've just recently opened a data center in Singapore. We also have a, a site in the UK. So we're expanding our operations internationally. We've got a lot of work actually as well in the Caribbean that we're starting to expand on. So really branching out quite a bit. Uh, but our core is certainly in the mid-market, helping organizations protect themselves from you know, various disasters and, uh, and cybersecurity events. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, congratulations on the acquisition. I'm sure... Um, that's on the upside for Storage Pipe and your entire team. So my hat's off to you guys uh, over at Storage Pipe. Why don't we start broad? Let's kind of go broad and then work our way inward into some of the more targeted conversations like ransomware. But we'll we'll probably get there toward the the latter end of the show. Uh, but I'm really curious to find out what are some of the emerging trends that you are seeing, especially on the front of backup and recovery and DR from that perspective? Sure. Well, there's certainly a lot of things that are impacting people's ability to protect themselves. And so when we look at those 
sort of trends. I think one of the big ones we're talking a lot about is this concept of cyber resiliency, the combination of cybersecurity and disaster recovery to give you know, an organization resiliency from all different kinds of uh, attacks or events that can occur. That's sort of the broad trend is around, you know, making a company more resilient to what can affect them. And then, you know, that goes into bigger trends as well around things like zero trust and, um, you know, organizational protection across the board. We're also seeing a lot of growth in SaaS services and public cloud. So our, you know, growth with, you know, protection of things like Microsoft 365 um, and, you know, the growth there, certainly seeing tons of customers move towards Microsoft 365, as well as the, you know, the growth in public cloud, you know, the Azure, AWS, IBM cloud is a big partner of ours as well. Um, so we've seen a lot more activity there. So those, those, those trends and then, but then there's also people looking, um, you know, internal uh, at their own internal operations and making sure that they're protected across the board. And so I think what, what I would sort of emphasize there and the trend is really, maybe it's not as much of a trend as it is just a, you know, a fact that, you know, people are, we're in a hybrid world and, you know, most organizations, are having their workloads run in multiple places and they're picking the best place. So it really is a, you know, hybrid cloud approach for most organizations that we talk to. Yeah, I remember when tape was supposed to be dead, but tape is still alive and kicking and thriving. And on-prem was supposed to be a thing where everyone was moving from and on-prem would maybe only exist for the public cloud vendors, right? Because they have to have... (laughs) their hardware and infrastructure physically located and dispersed geographically around the world in order to provide that redundancy. I, I've, I have really seen things shift as well uh, to a hybrid cloud, multi-cloud uh, world. Um, so I'm really excited to see what we have coming, coming in the future. And, you know, one thing that I, I also want to get your opinion on is artificial intelligence and how are you utilizing maybe AI or have you seen different types of technologies with AI and ML built into it, especially when it comes to protecting uh, workloads? Yeah, I think we're, you know, when it comes to AI, I think we're only beginning to scratch the surface of the potential there in terms of uh, of the technology. And I mean, we're just seeing the the excitement around, you know, things like ChatGPT and, 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 and what Microsoft's doing and what, what Google's doing. Yeah, there's a lot of obviously advancements there across the board in AI. And, you know, you hear a lot, there's a lot of the news about that today. But I think the the thing there around that we need to be cautious of is that, you know, and it was, um, you know, and it's been on the news a little bit more recently as well, is that, you know, it, it's a technology that can be used by the attackers as well as the protectors. And so the the advent of, of it, you know, the growth in AI has also opened up the doors to, you know, more people using it for attack for attacks as, as well. So what we're looking at is, you know, the I think the, the need for artificial intelligence on your preventative side is very clear because if you look at the number of attacks that are coming in and the sheer volume of not just the attacks, but the actual events that occur and sifting through the amount of data that has to be sifted through to, to make a determination on whether something's truly an attack or a normal or normal activity uh, really has to be done by by computers, right? It has to be done, whether that's AI or, uh, uh, you know, rule-based. But gradually, AI is the thing that's making that possible to sift through the noise and come up with really recommendations or, or actions or responses to the attacks or the events that are occurring. And that is something that AI has to do 
because there's no way for individuals to deal to deal with the sheer volume of, of requests and, and activities that are going through there. And that's just going to continue. I think you're going to see AI becoming even more prevalent in the cybersecurity realm in terms of that and uh, in evaluating attacks or, or incidents more rapidly over time. And are, are you seeing more companies run their workloads on-prem or are you seeing them run their workloads in the cloud and, and also wherever you're seeing them run the workloads the most, how are their users accessing this data as well? I think we are seeing a hybrid. I think what we're seeing is the, the recognition that um, organizations are are a little more sophisticated now in terms of their decision-making around cloud, around whether it's public cloud. We've seen organizations who had gone to public cloud mm-hmm. now you know, recognizing that it wasn't a huge cost savings or the cost savings they maybe thought it was. And so now they're pulling back certain workloads yeah. into either private cloud or into on-prem uh, or just, you know, getting it closer to them, to their businesses for latency or other reasons. Uh, so we're definitely seeing that. And then we're seeing other organizations push certain workloads to public cloud that makes sense there. And so it really is about organizations making choices about where a workload is best suited and, where they want it to run and, and where it's most cost effective to run. And that's what they're making choices of. And so when it comes to, you know, um, where users are accessing it, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, users are basically, they're working from home, they're working in their offices, they're working, you know, from a variety of locations, but they're accessing, you know, systems and workloads and applications that exist, you know, for example, Microsoft 365. Okay, so you're accessing that in, a, in Microsoft's cloud, it's a SaaS application but you're also accessing uh, ERP data or ERP systems that are operating in your own, in your own manufacturing facility. Um, you know, that information, you're, you're accessing that all from your home location. So now you've got multiple locations you're going into to get information that you're transacting with, that you're, you know, moving data around to. That is pretty much the norm now. You know, you're going to see users from everywhere accessing information anywhere. And that creates a different challenge when it comes to protection as well, right? Now your cybersecurity solutions have to address you know multiple attack surfaces and locations where that data arises so whether that's protecting you know the local network uh, the endpoints where those devices are you know a- across you know home or office um, or data centers and also your SaaS applications whether that's a an m365 a dropbox a box you know and other SaaS applications that are out there these all need to be protected in sort of a holistic way if you're going to make sense of it all. Yeah, and there, there's been an evolution just over the last, what, five plus years around SaaS applications and backup companies now trying to, you know, create these point products or even innovate within house to start backing up these software as a service uh, type applications like Salesforce or GitHub or Google Workspace, or M365, et cetera, right? So there's there's thousands of SaaS applications that are out there. Um, and so companies are pivoting, like vendors and backup companies are pivoting to trying to also protect those workloads as well. Now, I've also seen the industry shift from terminology. So I've seen disaster recovery turn into cyber resiliency. Is there a difference between disaster recovery and cyber resiliency from your perspective? Yeah, from my perspective, cyber resiliency is really the combination of two things. It's the combination of cybersecurity and disaster recovery. If you think about the cybersecurity elements where you're looking at 
protecting your systems and your networks and your data up front, right? The preventative aspect, the quarantining, the, the ability to isolate events before they occur or as they're happening and the response, response to that. I think that's really a cybersecurity uh, part of the cyber resiliency elements um, of that. And then you look at disaster recovery, which is more, okay, we've had an event, you know, we haven't been able to entirely prevent it. We need to recover from that event. So now we need to be able to recover, right? Respond and recover to that event. And that's a little bit different when you're dealing with, you know, the ability to get your data back, to get your systems back to the original state they were. Cybersecurity doesn't really deal with that as much as obviously disaster recovery does. Um, and uh, but cybersecurity plays an important preventative aspect up front to try to mitigate against those risks. I think most organizations, when they look at resiliency, they're not talking about you know, 100 percent uh, keep 100 percent effectiveness because nobody can really claim that 100 uh, percent of the time. Um, what they're looking at is saying, well, and this is the concept of zero trust, right, in, in some ways, which is where we're limiting the exposure, we're isolating things, we're limiting the exposure to, for example, a single PC or a single system or making sure that, you know, someone who, you know, maybe is attacked or on a bad email or something like that now is still uh, isolated from the network and not able to do much damage. And so that's where cybersecurity prevents that from occurring. And then disaster recovery allows that person to get back up in business to recover their data and make sure that, you know, we're back to the way we used to be. And then it's a cycle, right? You're cycling back to the beginning with saying, what, what went wrong? What can we do better? Um, and how do we keep that, that prevention from occurring? That, that, that attack from occurring by preventing it in the first place. Okay, awesome. Great, great definitions there. I learned a little bit. <laughs> and uh, are you familiar with some of the indicators of compromise that, that are used in like cases of forensics when companies are trying to figure out like where their systems were compromised? Um, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that, right? Yeah, you're looking at, yeah, I mean, we, you know, occasionally have customers who get attacked and they have to go through a forensic situation for sure. Yeah, what, what? It's not my, I'm not a auditor myself. Right, right. What, what are some of those signs, though, that someone's system may be vulnerable and some of the things that organizations should, should begin to monitor um, just to really be on the forefront and be proactive around, you know, some of those signals? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's um, there's signals related to that attacks are in progress. And so, you know, a lot of the, the cybersecurity solutions that we put in place will monitor for those signals. Things like, you know, is somebody logging in from a remote location or, or a location they don't normally log in from? Are they uh, accessing data they don't normally access? Are they, you know, in, downloading a lot of files that they shouldn't be or, or don't normally do? It's really about, and this is, again, you know, we talked about AI, right? Where you start to look at pattern recognition, right? And AI is obviously exceptionally good at looking at what can, you know, what what can be um, unusual activity in, in outside of the norm based on analyzing the past and then saying, you know, predictive modeling of of what would that look like? You know, is that is this new activity, you know, predictable by the model or or, or sort of an unknown or unpredictable event? And then you've got, you know, obviously an indication of an attack where you've actually got. Uh, you know, suspicious. You've got a suspicious, you know, email that's been clicked, and now you've got something happening on the network that is, you know, not normal. And that's an indicator, more of an, of an attack as opposed to just a, um, you know, maybe a, a, a compromise situation. So there, you get, you know, see people identifying that, saying, "Hey, I might have clicked on something wrong." And they might, you know, they might own up to that. In which case, you've got to, you know, isolate them and 
and do that, or you're already aware of it through your tools, through your tools saying, okay, something's, something's amiss here. We've correlated data from the cloud. For example, somebody clicking on an email, we've correlated now an unknown, unusual event on the network associated with timing of that. And so you can start to identify those, um, those attack vectors and start um, quarantining or isolating that activity and locking down different elements if you need to. Okay. And also ransomware is super, super hot. It's still a, a topic. Well, I think maybe ChatGPT has maybe silenced some of the ransomware talks because everyone's talking generative AI and AGI and ChatGPT nowadays instead of ransomware. I haven't quite heard as many ransomware stories as I've heard ChatGPT stories, but uh, when, when it comes to a recovery from a, let's say, a cybersecurity incident, something like ransomware, do, do you think that's becoming more challenging or is it easier now because people should really know that it's not a matter of if it happens, it's a matter of when it happens, right? Yeah, I mean, ransomware is going to happen. And, and, and you know, for most organizations, they go through some form of event at some time. Unfortunately, that's just the case. And you know, the data that we, we've run a number of surveys and we continue to run those to see you know, how people are responding to those events. Um, the good thing is that ransomware events are um, moderating a bit. Um, that doesn't mean they're going away. Um, they, uh, you know, more organizations are getting better at, it's not about them not happening, but getting better at isolating them, getting better at recovering from them. Um, but, you know, there are still so many organizations that um, are not doing enough, right? And that's, that's part of the problem. And you, you can, but you need to do those preventative, take those preventative actions up front with your cybersecurity posture, and then also have a strong disaster recovery element to your resiliency strategy so that you can you can recover in the event that you have a problem. But but more organizations are taking it very seriously. I mean, that's what we, I mean, they, they should, right? We've seen so many different ransomware attacks and it's very much in the news. And I just hope that the, the news, that we still keep getting those things out there in the news because that just encourages people to understand what's going on and that it is still a big threat. You know, you don't want to sweep that under the rug. And so I think it is important that we, we let people know about those things and that they're still happening and um, that we're, you know, that we're helping organizations to recover from them uh, and preventing them in the first place. And that's, that's, you know, you, 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 like I said, you get a lot more, there's a lot more volume, but at the same time, you've got good tools to help you prevent some of those things from occurring. Awesome. And as CEO and also, I guess, soon to be general manager as well, you, you have a lot of conversations with other C-level executives. Let's say you were having a conversation with a, a CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. What, what types of conversations or what types of things are you talking with CISOs about? Yeah, I think what we're having a lot of discussions about is is this, um, you know, this, this, well, we're talking a lot about cyber resiliency and how that plays into their overall posture. We're also talking about like their planning exercise. Mm -hmm. We touched on that a little bit, but okay. you know, I think we have we are talking a lot about their planning. I think more organizations are you know their disaster recovery planning and making sure that they're um, they understand where all their uh, information is because I think they've you know we are seeing information sprawl. You know the one you know that's hybrid allows us to you know take advantage of things in there you know where they best run, but that also means that we're talking to organizations more about. Okay, how do I protect all this information, all these different systems that now happen to not live in one place anymore? 
Um, so, you know, we're starting to talk about these, these various attack surfaces, whether it's the, you know, how do we protect the network? How do we protect the systems? How do we protect the endpoints and all my users that are out, you know, running around wherever they happen to be. And then also all my SaaS applications and, and the various systems that I'm running in the cloud. And so it becomes an exercise in planning and assessment of making sure we know where everything is and that we then put in place solutions that cover off all of those various attack surfaces and all those various um, you know, clouds or, or locations where data may reside. And so we're talking to CISOs you know, a lot about that, about the, the not necessarily the nature of sprawl, but certainly that, that's what's happening, right? The, the nature of, of these things and how do we protect against all that? And I think the other thing is we're seeing a big growth in um, the desire to have more 24-7 operations. And so we're talking to organizations a lot more about Backup is not enough, you know, moving towards full disaster recovery, replication, uh, full failover capabilities, because more and more organizations, are, uh, their compliance demands, their recovery objectives are more stringent than they used to be. And so the need to you know, be back up and running more quickly, they're running, you know, e-commerce, they're running, you know, 24-7 operations, they're running operations in multiple time zones. You know, more organizations are running across the world. So there isn't a, a window for maintenance. There isn't a window for downtime anymore for many organizations. And so we're seeing that be a, a bigger factor and making sure that people can fail over in, in near real time if, or, you know, when they need to. Awesome. And maybe one more question, Stephen, before, before we, we end the show here. And I, I sometimes go back to this question. And plus, th- there's a lot of layoffs that are happening. And, you know, it's in the news now <laughs> where... There's a layoff, 6%, 10%, 8% layoffs from some of the large companies and even some of the small and medium-sized businesses have started laying off and have been laying off for quite some time as well. What advice would you give to, let's say, a recent college grad? What advice would you give them if they are moving into IT and they are looking to either get into IT or maybe just expand? Uh, within the IT industry? No, it's a, that's a great question. And I think, you know, uh, I mean, I'm going to show my age a little bit, but I, you know, I came out of school, uh, you know, at a university in uh, back in 93, I guess. And that wasn't, okay. that was the tail end of, you know, the, the early 90s was not a, a great time to come out of school, but, you know, there was, um, but there was still opportunity out there when you went out to look for it. And so I think the, you know, the key thing for organization, you know, for, for individuals, is it to find those organizations that are growing, right? It may take a little more effort and you, you might, and you know, you might need to go find the right companies to work for, but there's still plenty of companies. I mean, I talk to my, you know, CEO colleagues and other tech companies all the time, and they're still hiring. It's not that, you know, they're the, the, they're, they're, many organizations are, I mean, I'm not saying all are, but certainly there's still opportunity out there in it. And if you're in the right field, I mean, we've talked a little bit about AI. I mean, obviously there's, there's certain areas that are still going to be hiring and growing. But I think in general, um, you just need to you need to look. I mean, for those organizations, when you look at what the you know when you look at the overall economy, the overall economy is still quite strong. But it may mean that you need to look for an opportunity uh, in a different kind of organization. Maybe you're you know you're looking for an IT job uh, in a mid market company, in a smaller business, in a manufacturer that's doing great. You know that's that's it's on the cusp. You know you can't limit your job search to Google. You know, it, not everybody gets hired by Google. Not everybody wants to work there. Not everybody, not everybody, you know, uh, it, 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 do they want to, not everybody, Google wants them to work for them. You know, uh, it's got to be a fit. And in any job, 
uh, in any organization, I think you're looking at fit. And so we do a, a really comprehensive look at talent, you know, regularly. We're still, I mean, we're still hiring. We're still hiring people. We have, you know, we're still growing. Um, but a lot of those organizations that are, you know, laying off, um, they overhired, right? So they were trying to hoard talent um, from the other parts of other work from other organizations. And that talent's now being released into the market. So I think that's the other thing to be note of is, you know, go somewhere where they're not just trying to hoard talent, but they can really use your skills, right? Where you can really get a great experience and you can grow with an organization and where you can make an impact. And I think that's the truth when you're coming out of, when you're coming out of school, sometimes you don't have a lot of choices. You take the job you can get, but the, uh, that's also being, that's also good advice. You know, go find a job that you can do and you can do well. Um, it's not necessarily always a job for life, but find something that appeals to you that you like and that the, and that where you can make an impact and where they want you. Um, and then you can, um, you can do great things. Great advice. And I can't help but notice all of the books behind you. I have a few of my own here that I like to uh, kind of keep on, on deck in case I need to get some some really handy and quick wisdom or tips. Um, what what's your what, what are you reading? What's on your nightstand? What's your, your book, your favorite book? Oh, my. Uh, well, I mean, Good to Great's behind me. I love that book. I think it's a great I think it's great. I think it's a great read. Yeah. I think yeah. there's um, there's a number of, uh, of different um, books out there. I read a lot. of I read a lot of technical stuff. I was just reading, um, you know, a little more about AI recently and uh, Hinton, his journey with um, his journey with. We just you know, got from AI Canadian, like I, you know, Canadian who, who really set out. I think that story is a great story, and you know, Sol is coming to Google. It's just recently left Google, so I think that that story is pretty interesting. And um, and I think that there's there's a lot to read out there um, on that. Um, but I always think it's um, it, it's great to just find you know find some you know business books or or fiction, um, you know, whatever. You know, I was reading uh, I, I was actually reading uh, Wheel of Time fiction series recently. Just, just you know, something that I think is is interesting. But the, um, but I think what's important and it was interesting that about fiction is that was uh, there was a good article I forget where I read it, but that where fiction actually has a a really good impact on your brain as opposed to just technical reading because you have to carry the story all the way through and it actually improves memory. So I think there's also interesting things about you know you can uh, improve yourself just through reading a whole bunch of different things. Okay, uh, any. Maybe final shout outs, anything that you, you want to mention that Gumbo listeners need to be aware of or maybe follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on LinkedIn uh, for sure. Uh, check me out on LinkedIn and you can follow uh, me and you can follow uh, Now Thrive and Storage Pipe. Where uh, what I was going to say is we are out at uh, many different uh, trade shows and events. We have a lot of webinars. So I encourage people to come to our website and check those out. And you'll be able to keep track of, you know, you'll hear more about cybersecurity um, more about you know backup and recovery, and visit with us at you know events across you know Canada, across the U.S. Uh, as we're out there in the market. So I encourage you to come out and check us out and talk to our people and hear our story. And love to love to talk with everybody. Okay, are you already on on deck for the next trade show? Which I'm curious which one you're going to be at. Maybe we can, maybe we'll bump into each other. We've got a couple of shows planned for September, October. We're going to be at a technology segment in uh, Los Angeles out in October, November timeframe. So stay tuned, check our website, we'll have it posted. Any of the big ones, Microsoft Ignite, AWS reinvent, maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, through Thrive, yeah. I'm not filled up, uh, I don't know the whole schedule yet, but we're, we're actually, if you check out Thrive's website, we are also hosting um, what we call uh, the uh, cybersecurity summits. 
and those are independent summits across the country. We run them in all different offices and locations. Uh, so check out Thrive, um, Thrive Networks, or the website's thrivenextgen.com. That'll, um, that'll be, you'll be able to find those cybersecurity summits on there, and I think that's a great resource as well. All right. It's been a pleasure having you on and getting some insights around data backup and recovery, storage, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud. I mean, we've we've touched quite a bit here. And also, I would like to just uh, send a shout out to all the Gumbo Data Protection Gumbo listeners and to uh, reiterate and mention to join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Uh, there are over 25,000 members in that group. We have lots of great conversations. So uh, please check us out on LinkedIn. And uh, also, please feel free to leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. So the more comments, the the more our content will uh, be front and center. So, uh, Stephen, thank you once again for being a guest on Data Protection Gumbo. Thank you. Great to be here.